But we should clearly start this episode with, with, with what? With me being a fucking uh, Almodovar uh, protagonist, as I always am. <laughs> Isn't that kind of sad? Yes, yes, Slight, it is. My whole life sad. is sad. Even, <laughs> even this pod, this pod brings you sadness. I don't know, Derek. The only man in my life that I can trust is a straight man from Canada. Oh man, you're in deep shit. I know. That I am. And that's also probably factually inaccurate. <laughs> I know it's not. All of the people I trust in my life are women. Men are just... Obstacles. Obstacles. <laughs> Mountains of shit just piled before me that I have to swim through. So welcome to episode 18 of Stuck in the Middle with You, a podcast where two guys take a look at a critically divisive film and see on what side of the consensus they fall on. My name is Derek Gade, and my friend's name, who uh, after 18 episodes is yet to quit on me, is Juan Barquin. Say hi, Juan. Hi, me. Um, and this was your pick this week. and uh, It was my pick. And, and it uh, was quite a melodramatic pick. Yes, well, you're actually in the middle of a run of seeing this particular director's movies. I don't know how far along you are, but you decided to mix uh, your uh, podcasting obligations with your uh, cinephilic uh, whims, and uh, you picked us a Pedro Almodovar film, man. That I did. I picked the 1991 film, The Year of My Birth, and it um, it is it is a it is a film called High Heels or uh, Tacones Lejanos. Which, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but is not exactly high heels in translation. It's not technically high heels, but it's a smart enough play on the title that I'm like, cool with it. It's like distant heels, essentially. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> distant heels. Yeah, which makes sense because of the end of the movie's speech. So yes, this was a Pedro Almodovar jam. I am less familiar with the man's work because I believe this is either the third or fourth film of his that I've seen. Uh, I've seen All About My Mother. I've seen, mm-hmm. um, you know what? I think this might be the second movie that I've seen by him. Oh, my God. I didn't, I didn't get on the... Um, on the uh, Can oh, I Live In train? The, yeah, I, did, I, I, I missed that train. It's not that I didn't want to get on it. I just missed it. And uh, for the 1989 tournament of films, I didn't draw Atame, which was part of the, uh, the up, billing. Time me down. Time me up, time me down. That's right. And uh, no, I've just and uh, I'm so excited. It came out a couple years ago. I didn't see that. Ugh, don't bother. I mean, like, not don't bother. That sounds so mean, but it's so. Uh, that's like lower tier, like very lower tier. But Almodovar in my has opinion. like the concept of Almodovar. The overall concept of Almodovar is strong. There's a vibe to his films of that course. is easy. That is readily identifiable, even if you've only seen a couple of his pictures. But. We're getting way ahead of ourselves. Juan, what is High Heels about? Um, High Heels is essentially about like the fractured relationship between a mother who is totally self-involved with her beauty, her career as like a singer and model and actress and uh, other shit, basically. And her daughter, who is now a news anchor and who has always felt very left behind by her mother and uh i mean like it's there's a lot of other shit happening at once there's also like a murder mystery 
and it's a very dark comedy too and there's a whole bundle of melodrama and this isn't exactly like like the crux of the story isn't something that hasn't been explored a thousand times before but it's it's being done here with that like good old Almodovar flair the crux of the film from what i can understand is a love-hate relationship between a mother and a daughter yep it's autumn sonata it's autumn sonata there's a lot of i mean there's like it's not just a little bit like Autumn Sonata. It like directly references Autumn Sonata. I'm sorry. I love, 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 love the fact that they literally like she bursts into this fucking speech about how her like their lives are literally Autumn Sonata, and then the mother's just like, "I don't understand what you're saying. What are you talking about? Watch a damn movie, lady." <laughs> I say that not having seen Autumn Sonata. You sicken me. Ugh. <laughs> There's a lot of movies I haven't seen, man. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of movies you haven't seen, too. I know. I know there are. So this movie wears a lot of hats. Do you think that that weakens the film overall? I think to an extent, yes. Okay. Because I agree. <laughs> yes. Especially, I specifically think it's second act just wants to do so much and i think it ends up making it feel a little laborious but the like the first act and the third act are so so good yeah the first act is pretty crackerjack in terms of pacing in terms of setting in terms of um interwoven stories and uh, it's very interesting because like some of the last few that i've seen of his my complaint to myself was why are all these first acts so fucking slow to get me into the good material and then this one starts off so strong and then like kind of meanders until it reaches its final act because the movie when it thrives the most is when it has the mother and the daughter together and anytime they're not on screen together is something that it's like yeah, the movie kind of peters out when they're not on screen because the core of the film is really uh, the, the two main actresses exactly. basically playing off of each other because they lend a lot of uh, complexity and depth to the uh, mother-daughter relationship being portrayed. That they do. And the two actresses are Victoria Abril and Marisa Paredes, who uh, have both been in other movies. Almodovar Vets. Yes, they are more so uh, Marisa than Victoria. I don't know if you agree with me, but the entire sort of... Okay, we're going to spoil the shit out of this movie. The main male character is actually three characters at once. Yes. And that... (laughs) (laughs) uh, He's a uh, drag singer. He is, uh, I think it was a DA or a cop of some kind. He's a fake cop. He's a fake cop. But he's a, oh my god! The, okay, so wait, your subtitles did not explain this to you very well. Apparently. He was referred to as a judge. Yes, they, he's El Juez, which is like I guess his name or whatever. But he's essentially like a fake. He a fake detective. Since he is a drag, okay, he is a drag queen, a normal like just like behind the scenes, like the actor behind the drag queen, and then he is also a fake detective, which is a role he came up with as the film turns into a murder mystery. He f- came yeah. up with a fake detective and played the role clearly very well (laughs) and then he just ends up being a dude just some guy yeah (laughs) so (laughs) i love it i mean this would have probably had its place in like an alfred hitchcock movie 
or something. Here's the thing. A lot of this movie could have been like if it was just played a certain way, if some things were sort of adjusted, this could have been a very, 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 very campy film. It wasn't. I feel like with the 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 dude with the three roles and the sort of melodramatic trappings, it kind of had that in its DNA. But it kind of died on it kind of died on the vine because this is clearly wanted to be more of a a mother daughter drama slash murder mystery kind of deal, and that whole thing was just dead on the vine and bogged down the film. I mean, yeah, I don't disagree with you, but at the same time, I actually think, I mean, there's a lot of really really good dark comedy beats in this one especially like <laughs> every okay not just the first newscast when the daughter <laughs> is trying to read oh she's such she a shitty newscaster i loved it though because so she knows <laughs> no she was very good for her second newscasting but there's also a sense of dark humor there when uh we see we, like, we see this woman do two newscasts on the first one she's cracking up during a story where a bunch of people have died and like yes. uh, like a car is run into a crib with a baby in it and she and can't her help the last <laughs> her excuses that she was nervous because their mother was watching her and the second and time and then the second one the second one start, is gold yeah she starts okay and then she uh, reports on the death of her husband who used to be her mother's lover right mhm and then she just kind of starts admitting to the murder to like yes. everyone's freaking out and yeah, so given the, mind you, no, 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 no. But you missed the best part. The woman that he was cheating on her with was sitting right next to her, doing this entire newscast. Anything she was saying in right. sign language, right next to her, and she starts freaking out because she's thinking like, "Oh my god, this woman killed like her <laughs> husband slash the man I was sleeping with," and she starts just fucking panicking and like about to run away because you know, God only knows she might kill her next. So you could see how this could be misconstrued as a camp fest, but the movie mostly plays it straight. And I think it's because this was like right when Almodovar wanted to start sliding into drama. And you can tell like uh, just a few years later, he would actually do his first like straight, straight drama, even though his film immediately after this, I think was Kika, which is uh, not a straight drama by any means. <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it funny? Uh, yes, yes, okay. it is. Yes. <laughs> oh, you're so funny, God! I hate you. <laughs> and uh, to the uh, sharp-eyed viewer during the scene where she confesses the uh, the murder, you could spot a young Javier Bardem as the station floor manager. Blink and you'll miss it. Basically, but she confesses to a murder that, bum bum bum, she didn't commit because. Everyone and no one committed the murder in this yeah. movie. This is kind of this kind of reminded me of previous recommendation clue, where <laughs> the details of the actual crime were left vague enough so that anyone could have committed it. It could have been the mother, the daughter, the mistress, or it could have just you know off themselves. Like we don't know that. <laughs> Literally, anyone could have murdered. Her husband. And the thing is, the movie doesn't give a shit about establishing who it was no, by the it end would of rather, the movie. It would rather just, you know, you know, and rightly focus on the relationship between the mother and the daughter, between Becky and Rebecca. Exactly. And I kind of love it. Like, I love that they didn't bother because, it, like, who killed him is so inconsequential. Like, 
Plus, he was a piece of shit. Anyway. As long as the mother and the do- yeah, he is a piece of shit anyway. He was like, he was he was just overall garbage. He was homophobic. Which actually like, reminds me. That reminds me of like one of my favorite. Reminds me of one of my favorite shots in the film, where it's early on in the film and they go to the to the to the club first, and it's yes. like it's it's like your Bonnie, it's like your straight up Bonnie and Clyde Freudian shot, where it's you've got uh, what's his name Letal, who's the uh, the the drag performer, and you've got mm-hmm. uh, Manuel, who is the the the, the awful homo- homophobe who gets who gets killed, uh, and. So they're talking and they're not on the same page. They don't like each other. And Almodovar uh, shoots basically what amounts to an upskirt shot on the tile. So you see like his shorts or whatever and kind of adjusts it. And then we pan up to see him. He says something to Manuel. Then we go to Manuel's sort of crotch area where he has a gun in his pants. And we pan up to him. And he's like, oh, rah, 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 bigotry. And (laughs) and I don't know. I mean, it's, it's like... You know, Sigmund Freud in film 101, but it's a great shot. It's very memorable. It is. It's so gorgeous. That which, whole end. Which, which unfortunately leads to a, uh, to a to a scene of coercive oral sex. Which, okay, I'm not going to lie. Like, my new dream in life is to get oh, out while on a pull-up bar. <laughs> Listen, I... <laughs> like, call that me old, seems call me truly, old. truly fascinating now call me old-fashioned but i don't want like you know drainage pipes involved in the bedroom (laughs) i kind of do now that sounds like it looked just just that looks like too much fucking work it does but i'm so fascinated by it now (laughs) see this is something that you guys don't know and you guys meaning uh the audience uh you don't know this because this is a podcast so this is mainly uh, audio based but I, your uh, your lovable co-host, is a fat fuck, and I can't like I can't do a pull up to save my life. You say so, this like I am not a fat fuck who can do a pull up because heaven knows I cannot <laughs> to save my life. Juan, I've known you for how long have we known each other now? Too many years. I mean, uh, <laughs> probably probably in around the neighborhoods Literal. of maybe four four and a half years we've been friends online. More or less, give or take. I don't think I've ever seen a full body shot of you where I could accurately assess your weight. I used to have, like, I used to post a lot of, like, full body photos of myself when I was, like, young and thin and beautiful. And now I'm, like, old and fat and horrible and alone. And Says the man who's, like, three years younger than me. I know. Wait, no, you're 23, right? 24. Uh, I made the same mistake on a previous podcast, and you did the same. I'm flattered uh, that you did just now. <laughs> so you are three years younger. Yes, I am. You're so vain. You probably think this I whole podcast funny. is about you. <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> well, no, because I'm involved. I also really want to mention that this movie isn't like... Like, this movie really wants you to think that, like, the daughter potentially killed her husband. Because, like, within the first ten minutes of this movie, this young girl literally kills her stepfather. Like, she, like, (laughs) like, everything, everything short of actually driving a knife into his back. Like, all right, this is not a spoiler because it happens in the first ten minutes of the film. Uh, She, the daughter feels like her stepfather is holding her mother back. From being a singer, artist, dancer, whatever the fuck she does. She's an, she's an artiste. And yes. he's holding her back. So what she does is that she switches sleepy pills 
with upper pills, and the motherfucker dies at the wheel because he crashes his car. Well, that is good. cold. He deserved it. <laughs> this, this is cold, but especially cold considering that the kid is like eight. I know. I loved it. When you're eight years old, you don't <laughs> understand the concept of death. You don't understand the concept of death in a pet, much less a human goddamn being. No, I think by eight years old, you absolutely do understand the concept of death. I mean, assuming by eight, by the time you're eight, you've had like a dog or a hamster or a cat or something. Yeah, you're not like prepped to have existential crises, of course, but like, you know what's going on. <sighs> Still, that's cold. But yeah, this this entire movie has a very intriguing laissez-faire attitude towards crime. <laughs> like all More kinds less, of crime. Yeah. Like that prison. Nice. That prison like... looks like a summer camp. That prison I... looked like heaven, heaven, heaven. That pr- <laughs> it looked like a women's prison. So okay, so she has been convicted. The daughter has been convicted of the murder of her husband. She goes to jail. This jail looks like the wreck house from fucking Breaking. Okay, people are dancing and shit. They've got like fly late eighties clothing on. Everyone's in a decent good mood, I guess. Everyone looks happy. It's like the funnest jail ever. It really does. And, like, they quite literally have, like, this wonderful, wonderful yeah. dance number. It's literally oh, like a jailhouse there. merengue, and it's it's magnificent. I want to have, like, my dream is now to have, like, a jailhouse merengue in this, like, beautiful, bright-colored palette from, like, late 80s, early 90s clothing. I just, I love it. I Can love I it. Can I say a thing, though, man? Please feel free. Your dreams are fucked up. I know. I'm like <laughs> as good as that dance sequence was. Like the choreography was really good and it was very bright and so gorgeous. And it was mo- it was mostly in master takes. Like uh, Almodovar didn't do the mistake that people do and chop up the action to bits. You could tell that there was a choreography that was learnt. Mm-hmm. But my favorite part was like the three ladies on the left side of the screen that weren't part of the main dance that were still dancing anyway. <laughs> I know. They just like kind of like hung out there and like jammed to the music. Yeah, they were just kind of vibing. Because this is the happiest jail on earth. This is clearly the club med of jails. I loved it. I loved it. I hope if I ever have to go to jail, I get to go to that. Like a lot of movies have, like, (laughs) a lot of movies have a a laissez faire attitude towards crime, right? I mean, like, oh, Quentin Tarantino movies, I mean, dudes shoot people like left and right and they bleed gallons of blood and no one ever gets arrested. So this is a completely different stripe that while it's not as showy, but it's it, – and it, it gains power as the movie goes on because it ends with everyone in the film getting away with it. Yeah, basically. Which, Pretty fucking much. Yeah. So basically what is the worst crime? Killing a man or disappointing your mother or your daughter? <laughs> Which is worse? disappointing your mother and your daughter well, well clearly this is what the Very movie says clearly. yeah i don't know how much killing a piece of shit is is a, is such a bad thing in the world i don't know well i would have killed him too if i could well luckily i've got a copy of the canadian uh penal code right here Ugh, nobody and cares it, about the penal code and it clear and it clearly says that killing a dude or anyone really is against the law you know what sometimes <laughs> it's justified I stand by please, these women. Please, one, tell me when it is justified to kill a man in cold blood. 
How do you know it was in cold blood? Nothing about this movie specifies that, Derek. I think the laissez-faire attitude towards the crime <laughs> itself lends itself pretty well to the possibility that it was done in cold blood because there's so much like justification afterwards. It can't help but be a crime of passion. You know what? I don't care. <laughs> I side with the women here. <laughs> um, and <laughs> And the only the only law figures in this movie are like the people who arrest uh, Rebecca and the and fake a fake cop. lawman. <laughs> it's because he's it's a testament to how great of an actor he is. It's his greatest role. Uh, yeah, this uh, this gentleman was a, uh, a a a pop singer, was he not? Yes, yes, Miguel Bosé was was in fact an actual singer. Yes. Was he was he any good? I mean, my knowledge of I mean, late 80s, early nineties. Uh, uh, Hispanic pop music is not very good. I mean, like, yeah, he's a very well-known, like, poppy, electronic-y singer. He's been around for, like, what, like, decades. What he's very like, well-known in, like... <laughs> what would be, like, a, an equivalent? I don't fucking know. Oh. <laughs> That's asking too much. Are you telling me that you're not intimately familiar with every single thing in the Spanish language world? I know, right? It's that's very astounding, isn't it? Isn't yeah. it? I know. So sorry to disappoint. Now I got a story to tell about this movie. Now I liked this movie, mm-hmm. but the uh, the circumstances under which I viewed it were less than ideal. <laughs> now let me let me let me let me spin you the tale of the crappy version of the film that I saw. Now uh, Juan normally is is good for sending me uh, copies of the films that we watch, and uh, this one, unfortunately, the one that he sent me for this episode didn't have subtitles. So since I don't speak Spanish, that's a problem. So I went about my own business and I got a copy of my own. The movie starts, store, score starts going, and Ryuichi Sakamoto's music kind of dips into the mix and comes back up scratchy and this happens during the beginning all of the opening credits so i'm like oh jesus christ i hope this isn't going to last during the whole film thankfully it didn't but it came back every now and again when things got loud in the mix so when a lot of the emotional parts of the film when the the emotional climaxes of the film involved singing or score punctuations this poses a problem now (laughs) Sakamoto's score is all right. I mean, it's pretty good, but I think that the, the like the two Miles Davis pieces they use are far more effective. So that's one thing, and so I have these subtitles now in English, and they are quite literally the single worst subtitles <laughs> I have ever seen when watching a film. Okay, so this is a Spanish language film, and the subtitles were in English, but the person who translated the subtitles. I'm fairly certain was French or at least spoke French because oftentimes the person clearly didn't know what word to put. So they just left the French word in and sometimes they didn't know what word to put. So they put two words separated by a slash, but what struck, I knew I was in for uh, in for trouble because everyone sounded like a rude drunk golem. Like there were no articles. Uh, The sentence structures were all weird uh, there weren't any personal pronouns used. Everyone was referred to as it. There's no he, she, they, them, whatever. There's a it did this or it did that, which got which was kind of unfortunate. 
because, you know, it robs all of the characters of per- literal personhood. Yeah. Um, that seems very inconvenient. <laughs> and not only that, because, I mean, the person who was translating spoke French, but I'm pretty sure didn't speak either Spanish or English very well. Because here's the thing. One of the characters' names is Manuel, the guy who gets shot, the guy who gets killed. His name is Manuel. <laughs> Now, he kept getting referred to in the film as Handbook. So Handbook this, Handbook that. He's like, who the fuck is, or what the fuck is Handbook? But Handbook was capitalized with an H. So this is someone's name. And then it took me a while to figure out, shit, Manuel, M-A-N-U-E-L, in French means <laughs> Handbook. That's so beautiful. And at one point in the film, someone was talking about... Uh, someone leaving someone else in the context of a relationship and the person was like and and it said leaves me instead of please leave me or go away or something like that and it's just this marvelous piece of fragmented nonsense it's like wall-to-wall jabberwocky i could get most of it with context clues and because since french and spanish are in the same language family i can get I can understand Something. some, yeah, and I I speak French, so I could like deduce what the translator meant by putting in the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. So it was an arduous task to get to the meat of this. But Jesus thanks, Christ. But thankfully, Pedro Almodovar is such a good visual filmmaker. He's such a good stylist that I got plenty to chew on on this film. The film is gorgeous. It really is. He's like a. Uh... It's 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 really astounding how strong a sense of visual filmmaking he has. And every single one of his films that I've seen can pretty much be like... They could all very comfortably be part of the same universe almost solely because like they are all connected in theme, in just visual style... In, in practically fucking everything, I think, like, and, like, in sheer queerness of <laughs> of existence, uh, I just, I love, 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 love all of them. Not all of his movies. I think some of them are, like, eh, whatever. Like, they're kind of basic. But, like, he has such a strong sense of who he is and what he wants to make with his movies that even when they're a little messy, like this one, and, like, they don't quite know how long they should be or what they should be focusing on, they still end up being so, so him that I can't fault them because I'm so attuned to what he does. So I expect you to write an essay on the Almodovar cinematic universe for Dim House Lights? No, God, no. Uh, actually, Ross hinted at it a bit with um with his, his, his piece on Atame and... Um, that's right. That's Whatever the right. fuck else he reviewed that time, I can't remember off the top of my head right now. But that's that's the piece that stuck out to me that I thought was very interesting, and I was I was delighted to read about. But anyway, oh, I think it's about time we had to rec- uh, not recommendations. Hold on. But, oh God, wait, wait. Is there more stuff? Finish. Yeah, a little bit. All right. Not that Hold much, on. but Hold I have on. like two more little things. I kind oh, of love that um, this mother literally her excuse for forgetting everything about her daughter was like, it's the jet lag. And like, it's such a, like a stupid line, but like, I, I love it. She says it like three times over the period of like an hour. And I'm just I've been like, jet lagged for 15 years. 
Exactly. Like it's, <laughs> I just like I love I love 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 these like strained relationship movies. And like Wiki mentions uh, Douglas Sirk's Imitation of Life, and I think it's such a good good like. Uh, Wiki part of the Pedia family. Yeah, yeah. It's it's such a good like point of influence because like you can tell very much not just in this movie but in other movies that like Almodovar is very much a man who knows his like films from the 40s and the 50s and like draws from them so so shamelessly in the way he styles his melodrama and turns it into camp I'll say this to even have to even do circuit melodrama okay you have to be really good. It's true. And Pedro Almodovar is really good. That he is. And I actually like, love Ebert's review of this one. And I'm going to shamelessly quote it. And um, specifically know, in, the, like, in the performances specifically. Because I think uh, we haven't talked that much about it. Because they're both such good actresses. And like I said, like, like we were saying, every time they're on screen together, it's magnificent. Like... The scene with with her just like talking about Autumn Sonata is just like my heart be still. You're so good, but um, well, that whole whoops. closing sequence too. Yeah. Oh God, that closing sequence is perfect. Uh, uh, they're both so fucking good. Whatever. <laughs> Which Marisa Paredes is also really really good in the Flower of My Secret. But anyway, that's not my recommendation, so I'm not going to keep talking about it. But quote. The acting style of his work seems... Ins- Mind you, this is the first time that Ebert has liked one of Almodovar's films. I, I should state that. Um, the acting style of his work seems inspired by the films of Douglas Sirk and uh, Rainer Werner Fassbinder. I, like, am I like saying that right? I hope I am. <laughs> Filtered okay. through Dynasty. Oh, which, the soap like, opera. Yeah. Yeah, the soap opera. His actresses all seem inspired by or inhabited by Joan Crawford and Betty Davis. His actors seem almost deliberately like B-movie leading men. And the plots involve characters who get more upset over their own aging process than over, let us say, the deaths and tragedies of others. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, that's, like, that last part especially is very much what we've literally been talking about. Like, this movie does not give a shit about the deaths of other people. But, like, uh, he's so good at bringing out this very classic sensibility, even though his films are, like, so far from that. <laughs> so now can we do uh, Final Judgments? <laughs> I guess I almost want to add, like, my, my favorite quote from the movie, which is when the mother's getting interrogated and she just goes, Yo ya no pienso nada, sufro demasiado para poder pensar, which is... I don't think anymore. I suffer too much to be able to think. And I just love how, like, (laughs) that's such a me line. (laughs) That sounds like something stupid I'd say in a podcast. It would feel cheap for me to say uh, what my favorite line in the film was, because my favorite line in the film is probably this... This bad translation. This this weird triple translated Mondegreen nightmare. (laughs) <laughs> I, th- I, I think my well album I, I do remember one specifically towards the end of the movie rebecca brings a suitcase of stuff to her mother's sort of basement apartment where she used to live and she tells her secretary as she's going to the room i brought my business and i just thought i know she says i brought my business Jesus fucking Christ. which 
I guess is I don't first of all I don't even know what the hell they could have meant when they said that, but I like <laughs> that it's at the end of the film and there's been all this literal baggage between these two women that has been literalized with this really bad translation or this bad adaptation <laughs> of dialogue. How and she said, I, I, I mean, oh man, this is a legendary piece of crappy uh, subtitle work, which I will That's share with you as soon as the pod is over. Sounds like so, a plan. Final thoughts on high heels. It's a total fresh for me. Like, even though I don't think it's one of his, his much better films, I still very much like it as a whole. I think it meanders a little too much during the middle, but it starts off really strong. It ends really strong. And every scene between the two women is just really fucking good. And it's a Modovar. And I don't think I'll ever outright dislike one of his movies in my life. I pretty much agree. Uh, fresh for me. Uh, I owe this movie a rewatch due to circumstances. But yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I mean, uh, Modovar's visual sense is really sharp. His movies are very breezy. They're idiosyncratic without being impenetrable, which I appreciate in a filmmaker. Uh, like I said, the visual sense is great. The acting is incredible. Uh, but yeah, a little bit of second act sag. Um, but I need to rewatch it so I can get the full the full effect of the screenplay. But I did like what right. I saw. <laughs> I'm so glad you did. So it's recommendation time. That it is. This is that... your movie, so this is my recommendation that's going first. Hop the fuck to it. Yes, uh, my recommendation... For this episode, uh, the link is uh, Marisa Paredes, who uh, played the uh, the mother in this film, and she was also in a little movie called The Devil's Backbone, directed by Guillermo Ooh. del Toro, released in 2001. Um, mm. This is just really, really dope. It's uh, it's a movie about lost youth, lost innocence, war, uh, phantasmagoria. Uh, you know, a Guillermo del Toro film. It's it's really magnificent, and the more like there's no way I can like talk and describe it to make it sound doper than it would be if you just sat down and watched it. And it has the distinction of having the Criterion spine number six six six. Hail Satan. Woo. <laughs> so yeah, um, El Espinazo del Diablo. Get on it. You should. I, I would I would second this recommendation. So what do you got? Uh, well, I could go with Suspiria because of uh, Miguel Bosé, but I won't. He was um, in Suspiria? Yeah, he was. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. But I'm not going to because everyone should know at this point I emphasize watching Suspiria. It's a good movie. Um, but I'm just gonna go with a another Almodovar film because it's the easiest route to take, and I just saw it like a couple of weeks ago after I got dumped, and I felt particularly connected to it because I always feel particularly connected to when movies have a protagonist who gets left by someone and her life just becomes a fascinating series of events, but. My film of choice is Mujeres al Borde de un Ataque de Nervios, which is Women on the Verge, on the verge of a Nervous, of nervous breakdown. breakdown. Yes, which is a magnificent, magnificent movie. One of the best Almodovar films, in my opinion, and in the opinion of many, I'm sure. And Like, um, in, on the long list of Pedro Almodovar films, I want to see that's that's near the top. It should be on everyone's top. It doesn't have either one of the two women that I um, 
that are in this movie. I don't think it does, actually. I'm pretty positive it doesn't. But um, uh, it's a super, super good movie. And it has a lot of it's a it's a it's a pure comedy. Like obviously there's a lot of melodrama too, but uh it's a it's a it's a pretty straight comedy. Yeah, I mean it is called Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. I mean You never know that could be a pretty like (laughs) that could be a total drama like that could be like a tongue in cheek drama fucking That sounds like a John Cassavetes movie. It really does. (laughs) So Derek, tell us what are we watching in two weeks? Oh, we are treating ourselves, my man. We are treating ourselves. Yes, we are. Thank because God. I'm I so think, excited. I think for the first time in Stuck in the Middle with You history, we are watching a movie we've already both seen. Woohoo. Uh, Which I have desperately told myself I needed a rewatch for. Uh, and we are going to one of my favorite subgenres of cinema, Canucksploitation. B-movies Ooh. and undisreputable cinema from my homeland of Canada. And uh, while we're not going uh, back into the archives to classic uh, exploitation, we are going to explore the uh, mind-bending, state-altering, Beyond the Black Rainbow, directed by Panos Kismatos, released in 2010. Which I have desperately been needing a rewatch for because I was... A little bit of a mixed bag when I first saw it, admittedly. I gobbled that shit up like so many grapes or... Yeah, other, you fucking loved other, this movie, you or piece other of delici- shit. Or other delicious food. No, this was like... I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like... A, it's a lot of, like, picking from things that I already like, but... It's... Mm, damn it. So good. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, two visual, very, very visual movies back to back on our part. Go us. I'll, I'll say, I'll say this right now. If you're kind of a, a, a beyond the black rainbow unbeliever, go on Letterboxd and look for Steve Carlson's review of it. That's like the best interpretation of that film that I've seen, and it just reinforces my love for that film. You're such a fucking nerd. All right, whatever. Go, go do our stupid plugs. <laughs> Juan and I run a film criticism website called Dim the House Lights. You can find it at dimthehouselights.com. We wrapped up the 1989 tournament of films, and we crowned Tetsuo the Iron Man champion. Uh, you can expect more uh, tournaments of films in the future, uh, but also regular shit like reviews and essays and other junk. You know, film writing. Uh, if you're interested in this podcast specifically, you could always go to our uh, show's Tumblr page, which is SITMWY Podcast altogether. .tumblr.com. There you'll find links to our show page on iTunes, our RSS feed, and links to our Twitter pages and Letterbox accounts. I am on Twitter and Letterbox at Derek underscore G, and Juan is on Twitter and Letterbox at Whoa, it's Juanito. That's W-O-A-H, it's Juanito. And remember what I said about iTunes? Well, you know, you can go on our iTunes page and give us, you know, ratings, reviews, feedback. We crave that stuff. We don't get a lot of it. We're trying to make a push to get some. So if you would, please, let us know if we suck or not. Or better yet, let us know that we're awesome. Did I forget anything? No, you didn't. But specifically, please, please, please tell us how perfect we are. We deserve it sometimes. And you can flatter Especially one. Especially now that I'm sad and alone and just living living the life of an Almodovar character. Listen, you oh. can flatter Juan's ego all you want, but you can be straight with me. I just, I need, I need compliments lately. So, uh, that'll do that for this episode of Stuck in the Middle with you. We thank you for listening. 
our ever loyal uh, audience, assuming that you're out there. I hope you are. I hope so too. And you're we'll all see- beautiful in your own way. <laughs> and we'll see you in two weeks. See you. Good night.